This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. As we face an ever-worsening cost-of-living crisis in the UK, and many of us are still recovering from the impacts of the pandemic, it appears the majority of people in London are struggling with their mental health. A survey carried out by crisis charity Hestia found 68% of people living in the capital who took part had experienced symptoms of poor mental health. The research also found 85% of respondents aged between 18 and 24 admitted they're struggling. To tell us more about their research, Hestia CEO Patrick Ryan joins me now. So Patrick, can you just run us through what this survey has shown? Sure. Well, the the survey was completed by just around 2,000 Londoners. So it's a fairly good sample. And we were testing in that to see whether what we're seeing in a range of crisis services that we provide across London, whether that was also being seen and replicated across the wider London population. And what we saw does mirror our experience on the ground and what we're seeing day to day. And I guess some of the headline stats from that survey are that almost 70% of adults in London say that in the last year, they have struggled with their mental health. And if we think, you know, almost seven in 10 of adult Londoners is a shocking figure, when we look at young people, it's 85%. So there clearly is, based on this, a very real mental health crisis for young people taking place at the moment. And obviously, all of those figures you mentioned are significant numbers. How do they compare with other research you've done before? And were you surprised by these survey results? I think the nearest thing that we have done recently is we have services which are called supported housing. So it's people who for a short period of time are in some kind of difficulty or crisis. And it's a period of time to regroup and begin a recovery and then move back into the community. And we noticed that we were seeing rising levels of self-harm and suicidal ideation. And we did a report on that specifically focused on women who were living in our domestic abuse refuges, where we were seeing higher levels of both self-harm and suicidal ideation. So the numbers here are big, as you say, and those are whopping percentages of Londoners who were reporting mental health struggles. 
but we're not surprised at the phenomenon. Yes, the numbers are very high. We all know the obvious things that are likely to be impacting people at the moment. The cost of living crisis. We've only really just come out of the worst of the pandemic. What do you think these high numbers are down to? I think certainly those big things are writ large in in what we hear from people. There are three presenting issues that kind of predominate when people come to a crisis service that Hestia has looking for some kind of support in the last two years. And those have been isolation, you know, people feeling lonely and isolated and not knowing where to turn. The second presenting issue that people often talk about as a, as a kind of precipitating factor for seeking support is relationship breakdown. That's often a trigger and it's in a very human way we can understand how when relationships break down, people might look for and need additional support. And then thirdly, the big ticket item that you mentioned, which we are seeing more and more of in terms of those coming into our services, is the financial crisis at the moment and the cost of living. And obviously, there's both the crisis itself and people's real struggles and just the anxiety about where this will go and what impact it will have. You know, we all saw the figures in the last week whereby the inflation figures were going to be often at 10% and then they were moving to 18%. You know, if, if you're really worried about how you're going to pay your bills today and those kind of figures are in the offing, then the impact on people's sense of hope, sense of possibility in terms of managing day to day is being affected. So what sort of support is available for people struggling? So the services that we particularly want to talk about in connection with this report, almost all of which have opened in the last two years, are what we called crisis alternatives. They are out of our services because, in fact, it's often later in the day when the, you know, the impact of isolation and everything we've talked about can really hit home and other services are simply not available. So they're out of our services that mostly people can drop into. They're open seven days a week, 365 days a year across 14 London boroughs. And if anybody wanted to get information on where we're providing those services, just go to Hestia's website. So that's www.hestia.org crisis. Because yeah, we really want people to know that these services exist. They will receive a really warm welcome from us. The plan isn't that you keep coming to those services. The idea is that you would come, you would maybe come a number of times, and we together would form a plan about the support that somebody might need. If, if when you look on our website, you think, oh, they don't have one where I live, then going to the NHS website and putting in your postcode would be a really good way to see what local services might be there. Um, these services are out there. They exist. They're available at a time when people can use them. Um, they're available every day of the year. And we, we really want to get the message out there. Yes, there is a crisis. Yes, people are, people's mental health is being really adversely affected for a whole range of reasons, those we talked about and probably many others. But there are services and we would urge people to come and seek us out if they feel those would be of use. This research released by Hestia today comes just a day after it was announced GPs would start prescribing walking and cycling in England to help improve people's mental and physical well-being. So how significant is exercise when it comes to supporting our mental health? 
Sam Perks from mental health charity Mind joins me now. So Sam, where does exercise rank as a tool that you recommend for people struggling? Well, our physical and mental health are, are immensely interlinked and intertwined. And there's increasingly good evidence that suggests getting more physically active can benefit your mental health. And some of these benefits include improving your mood. So actually getting active releases a feel-good hormone endorphins, and that makes us feel better in ourselves, but also gives us more energy. And then there's the other benefits around helping to manage stress, anxiety, and intrusive and racing thoughts. So being physically active releases cortisol, which helps us to manage stress. But also by being active, it gives our brain something to focus on. So actually, it's a really positive coping strategy for when we're having racing and intrusive thoughts. And then just finally, it also helps to reduce the risk of depression. And there's one study that actually suggests doing regular exercise and physical activity can reduce the risk of experiencing a period of depression by up to 30%. And is there a best form of exercise for people suffering with things like depression or anxiety? And are group activities more beneficial than perhaps just running on your own? It's a good question. Um, What we would say is the evidence points that actually all physical activity can benefit our mental health. Although there is more evidence to suggest around actually being active outdoors can really support your mental health and well-being. And that's because of the ability to stimulate our senses. So when we're outside, obviously the colours, the sounds, the smells can stimulate our senses in a way that actually that doesn't happen indoors. But group exercise is definitely really important as well. And actually through our Get Set To Go programme, participants actually told us that the social aspect of getting active in a group was really beneficial. And building those social connections through group activities can really help with self-esteem, but also prevent social isolation and loneliness, which is a huge topic at the moment. And obviously these things do lead to, to mental health problems as well. And what's really interesting for our Get Set To Go programme was local minds. So these are the local branches of mind across England and Wales. They delivered Get Set To Go and they actually told us that participants said the social element was as important as the physical activity itself. But actually, in some cases, it was even more important than the activity. And it does seem like there's a lot of evidence and studies proving just how beneficial exercise can be. Do you think the benefits of it are explained well enough by GPs? I think it's growing. And actually, we're we're really delighted to say that healthcare workers such as GPs are starting to become more aware of the advantages of prescribing exercise and physical activity as a first line of treatment for mental health problems, particularly mild to moderate depression. But although it's growing, the rates of antidepressants have increased in the last few years. So there's still more that we can do and the health sector can do to really encourage healthcare workers to support people with mental health problems through prescribing physical activity to benefit their mental health. And this is one of the things that at Mind we're really keen on. So we're working with sport coaches, sport organisations 
and people with mental health problems to really fully understand actually what makes a truly inclusive and welcoming environment for people with mental health problems to be active so that we can truly reduce those barriers that prevent them from being active and then hopefully more healthcare workers will be signposting and prescribing physical activity. Let's take a break now. In part two, we'll hear about an alternative form of exercise, which is also helping people with their mental health. It really allows you to switch your mind off and totally focus in the moment and on your body and the movement. So it's a really unique sport in the sense that it allows your brain that time to have a bit of breathing space. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Jamie White is co-director of Climb Free, a non-profit community interest company holding regular free climbing sessions for people struggling with their mental health. So Jamie, first of all, can you sort of describe the science behind it? What is it about climbing that helps you deal and cope with mental health issues? Good question. Often, you know, we have there's lots of mental health charities and um, they use running as a form of like I guess like a wholesome activity for the benefit of mental health. And the comparison I guess I'd make is like running gives you a lot of time with your mind, which is good in some ways. But obviously if you're really struggling, I don't know, with just an overactive mind, it's not always the best. And climbing does the opposite in a way. It really allows you to switch your mind off and totally focus in the moment and on your body and the movement. So it's a really unique sport in the sense that it allows your brain that time to have a bit of breathing space. It really plays into a person's proprioceptive abilities. So your abilities to understand where you are with relation to time and space. So again, to sort of like explain that a bit, you know, often today, lots of people are using technology and you often lose focus of how much time you're spending on that technology and or who perhaps is around you in a certain room when you're using that technology. Whereas with climbing, you have to be very aware of obviously your surroundings and spatially with your with regard to your body. And um, yeah, the passage of time, it's just fantastic. And obviously you've been running it for a little while now, but what feedback do you get from people who take part? Obviously I'll be sensitive towards their circumstances, but yeah, some people have expressed literally that the social sessions have essentially saved their lives. 
we've got this upcoming challenge which we'll talk to you about but part of that is to raise some funds for a, a charity a suicide prevention charity after the pandemic we've all been through and, and you know life at the moment is very challenging and poor mental health sadly leads to sometimes tragic consequences uh, when people don't find you know those social outlets or, or the help they need so with regards to climb free sessions I, I can safely say we've definitely really really affected people's lives for the good so can you tell us about your seven everests challenge so we are aiming to climb the height of everest every day for seven days it's quite a an immense challenge but the idea behind it was um like i say i've had i've suffered with some really really poor episodes of of mental health and um i just you know likened it to a point when i was at my worst i remember just waking up in the morning every morning and was faced with this just monumental mountain like mentally that i'd have to climb every night i went to bed that mountain you know i was no further up it and just trying to sort of draw that parallel between you know the metaphor of people that do suffer with poor mental health are literally climbing their own mountains every day unseen and so we wanted to obviously like I say one raise awareness by physically attempting that and then hopefully direct people to the fact that there is hope and there is a potentially a service available to help them and sitting next to you now Jamie is of course Ricky who regularly takes part in the climb free sessions so Ricky take us back to the start what was your first experience at climb free like I don't really know how to put it into words. It was it was nice to come to a, a climbing centre with previous climbing knowledge. I've I've been elsewhere before and I've never really felt like I've been part of the climbing community. I've always felt very alone and climb on my own. Whereas as soon as I started the climb free session, Jamie introduced it, was very open in saying we're here for, for every individual. And yes, from then that's where the the sessions I, I came every week and and still do but no it was it was a good experience and i now feel like i've i've got a group of friends that i can see every week and i look forward to coming to which was a big big thing for me and can you explain how climbing helps and has helped you personally it really helped when i was when i was at my worst the middle of last year it gave me something to look forward to and to to work towards so that I I didn't feel alone because I, I felt very much alone on, in myself even though I was working every day and overall being very busy I would always go home feel alone and not really have anything to look forward to whereas these sessions did give me that that boost of you've got something exciting in your in your life happening on a Wednesday night so work towards it. As Jamie was saying, he didn't want to get too sensitive with how he was wording it, but it essentially has saved my life because I've I've had that something to look forward to. Having something to focus on that wasn't life, it meant I, I did lose myself in in the world of climbing. I, I had my own problems to solve on the wall. If I couldn't do it the first time, it was always good to go back and, and push myself to, to get to it. So yeah, it, it has saved my life and got me out of some pretty dark places. There's more news in the evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock.
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.